Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we and welcome everyone. Um, yes, I missed last week, and really, I've never missed this show uh, or whatever it is we're doing, uh, podcast, whatever. I've never missed this in 14 years unless I was traveling, I don't think, until last week. And um, uh, I am the biggest, pardon my language, I'm the biggest screw up I know. Okay, and my my uh, two boys would absolutely confirm that. I can find a way to mess up almost anything. Um, uh, just one real quick example. Uh, I'd saved for years for a brand new boat. Grew up uh, water skiing on the lake with my family. And it saved for years. Finally, the big day came, bought a brand new boat. It was shiny and sparkly and red and white and fast and all that sort of thing. So we, uh, I took my family to the lake um, for the first time with this brand new boat. We were going to camp all weekend. We were all excited and everything. And I got to the parking lot, unhooked it from the trailer, and um, had not realized that the parking lot was not completely flat. <laughs> and so... When I unhooked it from the trailer, it starts rolling back in the parking lot, and and here I am uh, grabbing the the trailer, you know, trying to hold back a, a four thousand pound, I don't know what it weighed, but a, a lot, two thousand pound, I don't know, boat and trailer, which I could not do, and it goes to the end of the parking lot, jumps over the curb, and goes thirty feet down off of a cliff. And um, the, the sweet little old lady who had worked at the uh, state park for like 30, 40 years came and looked at it and said, we have never had anything like this happen in 30 years, 40 years. People, people were coming from all over to look at the idiot who dropped his new boat off, off the end of a cliff. Um, later, we had a, a good bit of fun with that boat, but uh, anyway... So my latest um, thing that I figured out, uh, my son and I love to watch sports together. We've done that all his life, and we'll watch, and we'll yell at the referees together, and we'll argue about plays with each other, and 
we go to sporting events sometimes. It's just a lot of fun. And I, I kind of grew up that way too. And um, so we were watching uh, one of the NBA playoff games that's been going on. And uh, George does not like for me to pause it like if I want to go get a snack or something. And I wanted to go get a snack. So I was just trying to do it real fast at a commercial. So um, I'm an ice cream guy. So I went down and got my ice cream. And I was running up the steps because I didn't want to miss any of the game. Because it wasn't paused because George doesn't like for it to be paused. And um, my flip-flop caught the last, the top, the lip of the last step and knocked me off balance. And after the last step, there's a little landing, and then there's another set of steps, okay? So I'm knocked off balance on the landing, and if I had just fallen there and let go of the doggone ice cream, I'd have been fine. But with every step, I was thinking, okay, I'm about to save this. And so I did that for six steps. Okay, I'm about to save it. I'm about to save it. I'm about to save it. But I'm still going forward off balance with uh, ice cream in my hands. Anyway, I didn't save it. And right as I came to the second set of steps, I fell. Ice cream went everywhere. And I broke two ribs as um, the uh, hardwood step on the next flight of steps hit me with all my weight, full force, on two ribs. So this time last week, I was flat in bed. Uh, it was a lot of pain just to breathe. Um, so that's my latest uh, bungle. But you know what? Isn't it awesome? That when you live in love and joy and peace and truth, that stuff doesn't matter. I don't have to feel bad about myself. I used to. I used to feel terrible about myself, you know, with, with things like that. But when you're living in love, no, you don't have to feel bad. Oh, good night. I did it again. Silly me. And I was laughing. Uh, after I hit the step, I was just dying laughing. And uh, Hope heard me downstairs, and she said she couldn't tell if I was laughing or crying. Um, but anyway, that was uh, why I was not here last week. So sorry about that, but uh, it'll probably happen again with me at some point. Okay, our uh, spiritual law for today, I've entitled, The Fault in Our Memories. Uh, our memories are our software. Hardware would be brain and nervous system, but uh, you know we may even have some of our some of our memory stuff, like seeking pleasure and avoiding pain, that's kind of hardwired in there too. But for practical purposes, with the computer analogy, our memories are our software. So whatever that software is is what you're going to do. If you're trying to send email but you don't have software that handles email, you can't do it. If you're trying to surf the web, but you don't have any software, you don't have Safari or, uh, what, or um, whatever the PC version of that is, you can't do it, right? 
you've got to have the right hardware and software. Well, our memories are our software. And a number of years ago, uh, Southwestern University Medical School and Medical Center confirmed that they were trying to find the source of illness and disease because the top answer by medicine forever when people get cancer or something like that and ask, well, how did I get this? By far the number one answer has been we don't know. Maybe stress, maybe genetics, maybe stress and genetics, but then the, then the person says, well, how come my twin brother didn't get it? He's eating just like I did, has the same genetics that I do, same parents, same... Up well, back to we don't know. So Southwestern is trying to find out what is the source. And after several years, uh, they have a major announcement that was headline news all over the world. It was in my hometown newspaper here in Nashville the day after it was published by the Dallas Morning News, which did the interview with Dr. Eric Nessler, chairman of the department from Harvard at Southwestern Medical Center. And what they found, they called, they named cellular memories. And they, Dr. Nessler makes some astounding statements in that interview. Uh, for instance, he says, up until today, our treatments in standard medicine have been little more than band-aids, addressing symptoms but not the source. I mean, imagine a medical doctor from Harvard, head of the department at a major medical center, saying that on record, but he did. And then goes on to say, but now that we know where it comes from, he says, harnessing this knowledge, now this can in the future mean the difference between life and death, cancer or no cancer, happy or sad, great relationships or poor, etc., 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 as we figure out the next step, which is how to fix these memories. Well, I believe that was in 2004, so we're 14 years removed from that, and guess what? They still hadn't figured out a way to fix it, okay? But I believe we have. But here's the question I want to ask you today. Why do we leave relationships for another? Or why do we have a really good friend and then something happens and we have a falling out and things are never the same again? How come we have something wrong in a relationship and we'll go 20, 30, 40 years without making it right? Um, one of the biggest tragedies of my life is I was uh, about... 10 or 11 years old, and my oldest brother, who was my hero at the time, he's old enough to be my father, and, and he was my hero, man. He dated the prettiest girl in town, drove a red convertible sports car, was good looking. Uh, I mean, he was cool, and uh, believe me, growing up, I, at least first 16 years of my life, I was anything but cool. Okay, so, and he loved me and doted on me, all right? But when I was about 10 or 11 years old, he and my dad had a falling out in business. They were in business together over, guess what, money. And I did not see my brother for 40 years. 
You heard that right. Four zero, 40 years. And it was absolutely devastating to me. It happened at the worst time of my life. Adolescence was an absolute nightmare for me. That's probably the one part of my life I would never want to go back to, to even to change things. And, um, and, but the, one, the good side of that, and some of you have heard this, is that uh, a few years ago, Phil and I were reconciled. We, we uh, hooked back up. And when we first saw each other, we hugged and just cried and wept. And he told me, uh, as we were hugging and crying, Alex, I've always loved you. It was never your fault. It had nothing to do with you. Uh, and I, I was, you know, saying similar things. And it's just been abs- uh, something in me came alive that I didn't even know had died. And... Um, was just wonderful. But why do we do that? How come I didn't correct that? I mean, I was a little kid when it happened, but 20 years later, I wasn't a little kid. How come I didn't find him and make it right then? How come we do not pay the ten- attention to our relationships that we need to, that we should, that they deserve? Because I guarantee you this, nine out of 10 people at the end of their life, realize it's all about relationships. And and often, if they have not prioritized those, if they have not made the ones that were not right, right, that is their singular focus. The money does not matter anymore. The fame does not matter anymore. All these things that we build our life around and spend so much time on, they don't matter anymore to 9 out of 10 people when they get to the end of their life. And if they have not prioritized relationships in their life, they typically are crushed at that point with regret and guilt. And that's the saddest thing. I have that and the death of a child are the saddest things I've dealt with in a counseling situation. Well, why do we do that? Okay? Why do we have relationships and something happens and we let them go bad and we don't fix them? Um, A a statistic or two here. The divorce rate's about, oh, it's actually dropped a little in the last uh, couple of years, for the first time in decades, I think to about 45%. And they attribute a lot of that to millennials who are taking much longer before they get married and are having less divorces. But somewhere between 45 and 50%, it's been about 50% for decades. The um, divorce rate for second marriages is 67%. The divorce rate for third marriages is 74%. And, and it keeps going up. Okay? For fourth marriages, it's, it's in the 80s. For fifth marriages, it's, it's... Okay. Well, why do we keep doing that? Why do we keep letting important relationships go bad and not fix them? How come we don't seek new, wonderful, loving, healthy relationships 
constantly, whether it's the person in the checkout line beside me or uh, wherever, okay? Because relationships are the lifeblood of health, of happiness, of contentment, of joy, of peace. I mean, imagining, uh, imagine anything. Imagine winning a Nobel Prize. Imagine winning the Super Bowl. Imagine uh, winning the lottery. Imagine some great achievement or, or something in your life. And then imagine that you are totally alone. You have no one in your life to share that with. Well, it starts to become meaningless. Okay? The meaning comes in everything through the relationship. All right, so how come we don't live this way when we're still young enough to make it all right? How come we have to get to the end of our life to prioritize the right thing and see what's really most important in our lives? All right, that's what I want to talk about here for just a couple of minutes and then we'll uh, wrap it up. We have a thing in our brain uh, connected to the prefrontal cortex called the experience simulator. This is the culprit by and large for this relationship conundrum that it's the most important thing in our life but we don't live like it's the most important thing in our life and maybe don't even think that. We think the new boat is, or the new car, or the new house, or a better job, or watching the movie tonight, or, or something pleasurable, drugs, alcohol, ice cream, okay? The prefrontal cortex is behind, I would say, 90% of why we mess up relationships or don't proactively do what we need to do to have great relationships. Here's, here's, here's how this thing works. Let me give you an analogy. Let's say that you have a hankering, as we would say in the South, for pizza. And you have a pizza at the grocery store that you really love and uh, you don't have any here at home and nothing is going to satisfy you except that. So you make a decision, I'm going to go to the grocery store and get pizza. That, that pizza that I love, okay? And that'll only take about 30 minutes, I'll be right back. And then it'll take 15, 20 minutes, so in less than an hour, I can be enjoying uh, my favorite show or whatever, eating this delicious wonderful pizza. So I get on my clothes and shoes and everything, head to the car, and I'm excited. And then the car won't start. Okay? So, typically, car won't start, so I cuss or am feeling like cussing, even if I don't. And... Now I have to make a decision, am I still going to go get pizza even though the car doesn't start? And now I'm grumbling and mumbling and how come it doesn't start and what's wrong with this thing and I should have bought that other car or a hundred other possible things. So then I go get the jumper cables or the charger and uh, I get the car started. <sighs> okay, okay, now that's over. Now 
still not too much time wasted going to get the pizza enjoy my evening and then i go out and there is traffic absolutely everywhere i mean it's not the right time of day for this kind of traffic is there a wreck what's the deal here and i cuss or feel like cussing and am irritated again all right then finally i get through the traffic and it starts raining, and I wasn't expecting it to rain. I don't have any rain shoes. I don't have a rain hat. I don't have a rain jacket. I don't have an umbrella. Um, doggone it, that stupid weatherman. It's not supposed to be raining, and now I'm cussing or feel like cussing, etc. Then uh, I get to the grocery store, and I'm thinking, okay, I need to find a close parking place so I'm not just absolutely soaked because then I'll get in the uh, grocery store and it'll be 60 degrees and then I'll be freezing and there is no close parking place. I drive around and around and around and I feel like I'm wasting more and more time here. This is messing up my evening. So finally I park away and I kind of jog into the store and on the way in I step in this huge, huge a puddle of water that just soaks the whole bottom part of my leg and I feel like cussing or I do cuss and then I get into the store and they don't have that brand of pizza they're sold out of it oh man you got to be kidding me I've gone through all this stuff and and I can't believe this and I cuss or feel like cussing so then I get an alternative and go to check out and they only have one person doing check out and it's like a 15 minute line and I curse or feel like, and then I go back out. <laughs> okay, you get the idea, right? Well, what was the problem in that scenario? Why did I get angry, frustrated, bent out of shape, furious, cussing. Why did that happen? Was it because my car wouldn't start and it rained and I stepped in the puddle and they didn't have... No, it was not because of that. That is a misconception. That is a lie. And you can't fall for that. Okay? It's because my prefrontal cortex is my experience simulator is how I imagine something is going to go and then on the basis of that imagination I decide to do it or not to do it based on how the imagination feels. Okay? But here's the problem. The experience simulator lies all the time. When I imagined going to get the pizza, I didn't imagine my car not starting and it raining and I couldn't find a parking place and I step in the puddle and I get in and they don't have my... I didn't imagine that. I imagined my car starting, there's no rain, there's no traffic, I don't step in a puddle, I get a close parking place, they have my pizza, I check out in like 30 seconds. Well... What basis in fact was that imagination? Well, there may be some history there 
of going at times where there wasn't traffic and all. But we all know that's no guarantee of what will happen in the future. So the, the real answer as far as what was the basis in fact for that imagination is there was no basis in fact. It was an imagination. So is there any way that I could have avoided getting upset and angry and been out of shape and stressed ten times in the space of an hour? And every time sending my nervous system into fight or flight, uh, releasing cortisol, which means I'm going to have a crash later on, turning my immune system off and making me vulnerable to all sorts of things that I would not have been vulnerable to, the answer is yes. There is a way to not have that happen. The first thing is to realize what the real issues are. Okay? The real issue should never be. Your goal should never be. I want to go to the store and have it not rain, my car start, no traffic, close parking place, get my pizza. That should have never been my goal in the first place because I have no, I, I have no control over that. I have no information that would make me believe with any degree of certainty that that's going to happen. Any of those things were possibilities from the outset, as well as a hundred others that didn't happen. So first, I need to realize I cannot count on my experience simulator to be accurate because it's not getting accurate information. Alright? And it tends to skew to the fear side. To, okay, if, if things don't happen right, I go into fight or flight. If the experience simulator is getting love-based information, then it works very differently. And what is the love-based information like? Okay, instead of my goal being to go get the pizza and have everything go right, my goal becomes to go to the grocery store to get the pizza in love and joy and peace no matter what happens. If my car starts or not, if it rains or not, if there's traffic or not, if I get a parking place or not, if I step in a puddle or not, if they have my pizza or not, that didn't affect my goal because none of those things are in my goal. My goal is to go to the store and whatever happens, happens. But my goal is to do it in love, joy. Now, you probably got to clean out some garbage in your binding cart, maybe some of you, before you can do that. Because we're so used to that, having a circumstantial external goal, even if we don't think of it that way. And then when that doesn't happen, we get angry, furious, cuss, sad, hopeless, helpless, you name it, any, any one of a thousand negative emotions, sent in the fight or flight, immune system turned off, cortisol crashed, etc.
and we live in those cycles. So when everything goes our way, it's really not even that sweet. It's just more of a, almost a relief that something bad didn't happen. However, if your goal is to do whatever you're doing out of a place of love, joy, peace in the present moment regardless of your circumstances and regardless of the results, whether I get my pizza or not, that is spiritual Disneyland. And when you start living there every day, not just every once in a while, believe me, you will never, ever, ever go back. That's why people divorce. Their experience simulator says, okay, if I have this new relationship with this new person, things will be better. But they seldom are. In fact, a lot of times they're worse. And that same principle applies not just to marriage, not even just to relationships, but every area of your life, your, your work, your health, everything. When you try to control things that are not in your control and your goals are external circumstantial results, according to Dr. Dan Gilbert at Harvard, You have just sabotaged your own health, happiness, success, you name it, because it puts you into a chronic state of stress. Okay, so fix your wrong information by using uh, a trilogy, memory engineering, uh, the new program I'm releasing this month, Rapid Eye Stress Release, which works really great for this kind of stuff. Use those to kind of clean things up and then shift your goal from the external to the internal from getting the end results you want to love in the present moment regardless of circumstances or end results. And um, you, I, I promise you this, you will not believe the change it makes in your life. And most importantly, your significant other, your children, people will start saying, what are you doing? What, 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 so, something has changed. What is it? And what they're really thinking is, whatever's happened, I want some of it. Because they see in you what they have always longed for, but likely not been able to secure in their own life because they're still living by their own experience simulator focused on the wrong things. Have a wonderful, blessed day, everybody.